Welcome to MDASH, the healthcare podcast that gives you pause. Today's episode, The Gift of Sight, featuring Rachel Reimer. Well, welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to sit and talk with you for a bit. Thanks. So first of all, uh, what name do you like to be called and what pronouns do you use? Um, I go by my birth name, Rachel Reimer, and I use um, she and her as pronouns. And what are some of the words you use to describe yourself in terms of your identities? Um, I tend to view myself more um, as a spiritual person, um, someone that goes with the flow, um, anything that has to go against um, being rigid and the, using the words I have to, um, this should happen, things along the lines of that. Um, I also like to describe myself as a fairly happy person and someone that enjoys being around other people. Um, it brings great joy and meaning to my life, especially in the work that I do of being able to help shift um, different belief systems to help people get better in their health. One of the things that I found really, really interesting about reading about you and reading about on your website was that you identify as a medical intuitive. Can you say a little bit about what that is? Sure. Um, so my definition of a medical intuitive is someone that can go in and get information that someone else couldn't. So the way that I get my information is through signs and symbols and also just off of general feelings. So sometimes I will end up feeling the other person's pain or feeling discomfort in my own body where they're also having discomfort. Um, so the insight that I can provide a um, from interpreting those signs and symbols and things that I feel could be uh, physical things, emotional things, or spiritual things that are causing someone to be ill. So how did you realize that you had that ability? I think just, just from being younger and not really understanding why I was so anxious all the time compared to my family members and friends. I remember, um, just walking out in different places and going to birthday parties and Girl Scout events and different things like that. And I would be like kind of trembling in the corner and I'm like, I really don't want to do any of this. I don't understand why you guys think this is fun to be out around other people. Like I'm perfectly content just sitting in my room or sitting in the basement watching TV or drawing or do doing something by myself because I would get so overwhelmed. Um, I think over a period of time of learning, okay, why, why am I the only one that's experiencing this? I began asking a lot more um, questions and I got to the point where I started to not feel like myself and I started to get sicker and sicker and sicker um, throughout high school to the point where I was on and off bed rest. I just really couldn't do anything physically or emotionally anymore. I've just kind of given up because I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on. I just didn't feel like me and I was just heartbroken. And over the course of getting better and using different providers as resources, um, I kind of discovered that, you know what, my most authentic self involves seeing this information and seeing these symbols and noticing these patterns and saying, Hey, when I act on this and I tell someone this information or I'm at least aware of this information, I feel better. So just practicing that over the last few years of, okay, this feels good for me to tell someone this, this feels good just to sit and acknowledge that this is going on and I'm seeing this. 
I, I just feel better. It makes me feel a lot better. And my health has significantly improved since then. That's not something you can necessarily go to a medical doctor for and get a prescription for it. Hey, I don't really feel like myself. If you could give me a prescription to fix it, that would be great. Um, it's one of those things that I also vouch for of if you're just able to be you, I know how simplistic that sounds, but when you're really just able to do that and act on what feels good, your whole entire life changes and you just feel so much better. So when you started feeling better and you started getting in touch with that, that part of you that, as you so elegantly described it, um, lets you be really your most authentic self, um, what did family members, healthcare professionals, what did others say as they saw your health improving? Um, and did you tell them, you know, what you really attributed the, those health improvements to? I think, so on my journey to getting better, I ended up going with the more alternative route to things and just doing the physical form right off the bat of just doing whole food supplements, chiropractic care, um, things of that nature. And then through those providers, they started teaching me and opening my mind up to different resources on the emotional components of that and the spiritual components of that. And I was kind of like, you know what? I, th I think this resonates with me. And I started talking with them more and more and more. So the people that I went to as a patient were very supportive in that manner, as far as a provider goes. Um, as far as other provider providers that I would see, like my normal medical doctor, um, and other things like that would, that would prescribe drugs and prescriptions and pain medications and things like that. They, they just didn't get it. And I understand that I'm from the Midwest and Midwestern is very traditional. I'll use the word traditional compared to um, more liberal and open-minded states like California or New York or just something along the lines of that. Iowa is not really known for that whatsoever. Um, so it's, it's definitely been frustrating because when I did start to get a handle more on the, um, more of the emotional and spiritual roots of physical complaints, um, I've noticed that a lot of doctors just don't, they don't resonate with it. And I've, kind of gotten to the point now where I can go in and look at someone and kind of go like, uh, there's a 95% chance that they're not going to resonate with this. So I can accept that and not share it with them. It's kind of, it's not hiding information. It's just the fact that I understand and accept that not everyone's going to like what I do because it's quote unquote weird and different and people don't understand it. And anytime in history, someone hasn't understood something people get upset and angry and frustrated. So it's, it's just not worth bringing up at times. However, um, it's, it's always wonderful to find providers that under, truly understand what I do and resonate with that. But I just found that it's um, more scarce to find those people. It is possible. It's just much more scarce. And then can you talk about a time when your work as a medical intuitive helped increase your own awareness of yourself and your own health? Sure. So I had a, I actually had a revelation about two weeks ago. So one condition that I was really struggling with um, during my health journey was a condition called Tietze syndrome, which um, mimics heart attack pains. So sometimes they are sharp and come out of nowhere. And sometimes it's a very dull aching pain that doesn't go away. And physically there's no route for it really. Um, some medical professionals believe that it's acute chest trauma that causes the condition. Others just have absolutely no idea. It's just 
a lot of inflammation in the chest for no reason with that pain. Um, and recently I went in and looked at it and I was kind of like, okay, let's just go back, take a step back and look at this from a very simple perspective. So a lot of the issues that I have are related to my chest and my rib cage. So your rib cage is meant to protect your vital organs and protect you, right? So same thing with the heart. If I'm having chest pain, something similar to a heart attack, my heart hurts. So what am I trying to protect myself from and why does my heart hurt right now? I was trying to put together the pieces and put together the pieces and put together the pieces. And I went back in time and time again with different medical doctors. And they're like, well, why does your chest hurt sometimes? And like during the summer, it doesn't hurt at all. Or why, why is it only happening during these few times? And I could be like, well, I replaced my carpet during this time. Maybe it was the glue inside of it. Maybe it was something that I ate when I went on vacation. And then I kind of went back and looked at it and I'm like, okay, from an emotional viewpoint, what was happening during this time? And I finally put together the puzzle pieces with it. And I was like, when I feel heartbroken, this is the this is the emotion that I have and this is how my body deals with it. So when these symptoms come up, I need to sit with it and understand, okay, why am I feeling heartbroken right now? Because I, I ended up having like a very like minor thing happen two or three weeks ago. Very rarely anymore do I end up having any major physical issues. But two or three weeks ago, I was I started having a little chest pain again. I was like, I really, oh, I really don't want to go through this again. So I sat down and that's kind of how I came to that conclusion. And then once I said that out loud, if I feel heartbroken, my chest didn't hurt anymore. And that was a really cool hmm. revelation that I made. Um, other times of just sitting with family members, especially headaches. Headaches are my favorite ones. So headaches are normally associated with self-criticism. So um, even just sitting down and talking to someone that has a headache and saying, okay, like, what are you being hard on yourself about? And just having an honest conversation with that. And once you see that person have that light bulb moment, they say, oh my God, my head doesn't hurt anymore. Like it, it would be amazing to me um, how different our viewpoint of medicine would be if we just sat and had honest conversations with people about what was actually going on in their lives instead of, well, I'll see you for 15 minutes. Here's a pill. Hope it works out. See you in six months kind of thing. So have you ever thought about, because I know you, um, you said you're a senior in college uh, in your bio. Have you considered one of the health professions as a career? I have a lot of people ask me that. Um, and I, that's something that I struggle with internally as well. Currently, my viewpoint is that even if I did become a medical doctor or a naturopath or a chiropractor, that's limiting my ability to help as many people as I want to. With a medical doctor, you're only able to see a certain amount of people per day. And especially if my viewpoint on medicine, maybe that would be 10 people a day max of really sitting down and getting to the root of the issue. For the work that I do and the charts that I do for um, different healthcare professionals and mental health care professionals, I can do a um, like an initial chart, like on their first visit for about 30 minutes and then he follow-ups in 15, just to be as objective as possible and let the healthcare professionals do their job and sit and talk with the patient. All I do is provide insights and a place to start with. Um, because sometimes when people have these symptoms, especially chronic illness and um, conditions that are very aggravating and have lasted years and years and years, these people don't want to deal with these things because they're really tough to deal with. And obviously they're 
scared to confront them and that's why they're choosing the pain over dealing with the emotion at that point. That might not be a conscious decision right now just by the education that we've had, but it's a subconscious decision that I would rather be in pain right now and have this small amount of pain compared to the large amount of pain that this emotion is causing me or this event caused me. So can you tell, talk about a time when you were able to provide information to a healthcare professional that helped them really get at the root of a, of a physical issue that didn't have necessarily emotional components to it? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think for a second. Oh, okay. This is a good story. So I ended up working on a case for a woman that was just kind of complaining of normal digestive issues, uh, minor hormone issues, just nothing really in particular that was bothering her. She just didn't feel good. Um, lab results were just kind of the same, like a little bit of digestive problems, a little bit of blood sugar problems, a little bit of a hormone imbalance. Again, nothing really the same. So the provider sent me a case and she was like, I don't really know what to do at this point. And I don't know if the patient really does either, but she's definitely open to your opinion. Um, so I went in and looked at her chart and I ended up coming across her heart. Um, whenever I do a chart and look at all the organs, I see a red circle around one of them. And that is my symbol for priority. So her priority in this case was her heart. And I was going in and looking at it and it looked like she had like razor cuts through some of her valves. And I was like, that's odd. I've never seen that before. So I ended up taking it back to the naturopath. And she was like, I don't know what you want me to do with this information because her heart looks fine on blood work. Um, like, do you want me to order an EKG? You want me to order an ultrasound? I'm like, I don't really know. I'd just be curious if you talk to her. Um, so the naturopath ended up talking with her and didn't really come to any strong conclusion then the patient kind of dipped off for a while and about a month ago she recently came back and the naturopath did a follow-up case on her and she's like Rachel is there something else we need to go through like the patient isn't really resonating with this and I said I'm still really focused on this heart thing like it still looks like she has razors cut through her heart valves and during that second conversation with the naturopath the patient ended up telling her that when she was little, her dad was mowing the lawn and I think he ran over some kind of metal thing or something from the lawnmower that was metal shot out of it and actually punctured her in the chest in between her lung and her heart. Um, wow. And I thought that that was super cool. I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy because sometimes when that happens, I'm like, I swear it's there. Um, wow. So that's, that's one of those cool stories where you go and you're like, okay, there's no way a medical doctor would find that. And there's no way they would know about that in 15 minutes. I don't go over my lawn care habits with my doctor when I'm Right, <laughs> That's not an unusual thing kind of thing. So I think Aww. that's a perfect example of why um, intuitive work is really important in the medical community, because sometimes people just don't think that that's important. That happened when she was a little girl. She's an adult grown woman by now. That happened years and years and years ago. So um, we ended up putting her, her on a protocol to help rebuild those things. And she's been doing a lot better since, which is it's so, so cool to see that happen. Um, that's a neat story. Yeah. That is a really neat story. 
So you said, oh, this is great. I'm not crazy. Are there people who say that you're crazy because you do this kind of work? I don't think anyone has outright told me that, but it's always the impression and intention. Um, Just kind of, I would imagine it would be the same thing. If you go to a dinner party or a social gathering and someone's like, hey, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a CPA. Someone goes, oh, okay, that's neat. Or someone goes, oh my God, I love CPAs. Like, tell me about like this accounting method you use. And do you use a cool accounting? And stuff? You can... Are there people who say that? I don't, I don't know. But like, you understand when someone's interested and when someone's like turned off by it, like, oh, I don't really know if I want to talk about it kind of thing. Um, probably not an account. I, I guess I don't know many accountants that are super enthusiastic. <laughs> well, you know what? I bet if I have any listeners who are accountants, they're probably like, yes, people at dinner parties find us fascinating. <laughs> yes. But I know what you mean. Like you can tell if someone's really not asking those follow-up questions where they're interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I've, I've gotten to a point now where I'm beginning to be a lot more self-accepting of, I remember for the longest time, um, on like, if I went to like a new chiropractor or something, cause I travel a lot. So I'm like, okay, like need to get adjusted. I'll stop in this place and never been. They always have the spot for occupation. And for so long, I just put student. Cause I'm like, I don't want to deal with the questions. I don't want to deal with the judgment. I just, I, I don't want to go there. And the other day, I think was the first time that I finally wrote like medical intuitive in the occupation spot. And I was like, okay, I'm getting more comfortable with it. I'm trying to eliminate my own judgment on it and just go from there. And that's that's been very difficult too um, because it's, it is something that a lot of people um, don't necessarily agree with. But then I can also logic with myself and be like, you know what? A lot of people don't like medical doctors or a lot of people don't like acupuncturists or a lot of people don't like lawyers. Or, like, there's always going to be judgments that people have and it could be irrational. Like, I don't know why someone would have a certain prejudice against a lawyer unless they had a bad experience with it. I, w- I would totally understand if someone had a prejudice against medical intuitives if they grew up in a religious cult or were very um, religious and they were taught that that is witchcraft or something along the lines of that. To me, that that makes sense. And when I get those impressions from people, I'm like, okay, from their past and from what they've been told and from what they believe, like I, I don't resonate with that and that's fine. Um, and I just need to understand that and be open to that as well, that everyone has different opinions, but it, it definitely does get hard sometimes not to take it personally. So that's, that's something I've really been working on lately. Have you met other medical intuitives? I have, um, not necessarily in person, just um, from doing different online um, spiritual events and stuff like that. So I was curious if that's a commonly shared experience, that medical intuitives, do they commonly feel stigmatized or um, feel like they need to be closeted about who they are, particularly when they're actually going to a healthcare professional? Um, Because you talked about being hesitant to write that down as your occupation. And I'm just curious if if a lot of medical intuitives feel that way, um, that they can't really be out to their healthcare providers. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm not close enough friends um, with medical, some of the medical intuitives I know to know that off the top of my head, but I would say from personal experience, I might, I'm, I'm the only one that I know of that actually works hand in hand with medical doctors and health healthcare professionals and mental healthcare professionals. A lot of medical intuitives that I know choose to do everything 
privately and choose to work directly with the patient. The reason I choose not to do that is because I like to be as objective as possible. If I think that I see a tumor in someone, I don't want to call someone back and be like, hey, I think you have a tumor. Like you have, I see some kind of mass. Like that's not going to be beneficial. They're just going to be sitting there and freaking out worrying the whole entire time. If I run that through a third party that already has a relationship with them, and especially someone that has education in that field, and they can sit down and be like, okay, if this is what Rachel's seeing right now, I can try some blood work to see if I can back this up or not. If I don't find anything, I can use my provider discretion and be like, you know what, I don't think I want to take this route. And I'll say, okay, that's perfectly fine if you don't want to take the physical route with it, but let's let's at least look at the emotional imprint that would be behind that physical thing if it hasn't physically manifested yet in the body. Um, That's one thing that I tend to get get myself a little bit in trouble with, especially with friends and family, is I'm like, hey, like your right knee really hurts. And they're like, Rachel, no, it doesn't. I'm like, yeah, it does. Like, how do you not feel that? Oh my gosh. Um, And then like four hours later, they're like, oh my God, my right knee hurts. I'm like, yeah, I know you're telling me. Like, (laughs) it was early to the party here. Um, So sometimes I always tell that with providers, if something doesn't show up in the blood work um, that I'm picking up on, uh, okay, let's deal with this, um, just deal with the emotional component behind it so that it doesn't keep physically growing to the point where it would actually show up in blood work um, and do more of a preventative route, which I'm totally fine with and 100% support. So that's that's something that I always um, tell providers up front is because sometimes, I, I don't know sometimes how big something is. I just know that the imprint is there. Um, I had a guy the other day that I saw Um, in person that was just someone that I know and he's going through a really rough time right now um, with his daughter and I ended up looking at him and I was like he's got the emotional imprint that I would associate with a stroke I mean clearly I can't diagnose or treat anyone or do any of that I'm fully aware of that but like I've started to develop certain symbols with different conditions and I was like that kind of looks like what normally happens when I see someone that's had a stroke or is about to have a stroke. Um, so it, it definitely gets hard sometimes because do you mention that to someone? Do you not mention that to someone? Is someone willing to hear that at this point in their lives? Um, currently what I've been doing, if someone does not ask me or if they're not seeking uh, medical attention, then I, I normally don't bring it up because to me, they're not ready to hear it yet or that's not a priority on their list. So when you imagine your future, so let's say 10 years down the line, how would you like your role to evolve in terms of the relationship with healthcare professionals over that 10-year period? In my ideal world, I would love to just have a small group of providers that I really resonate with and really get along with and just to continue Um, doing casework with them whenever they feel like a patient would benefit from my work that they submit cases to me um, and I provide feedback and my insights and opinions on things. Um, Currently with One Naturopath in California, I'm actually co-creating a concierge service with her so that patients have access to her and me um, whenever they need on a 48-hour basis. So that's also something that I'd like to create because she made an excellent point that when we work together, Sometimes a patient's just like, oh, I had a headache for a day. Well, it would have been nice if I could have talked to Rachel during that time when I was struggling with it compared to like scheduling out a week later. 
Um, so I think that is something that I really want to focus on too, is just doing the minor um, aches and pains in between, um, between their chronic care as well, just because no one likes headaches, no one likes knee pain, no one likes ankle pain. So it's helpful when you have someone to sit and talk through with you, um, like what's going on and why did it happen and when did it happen, uh, things of that nature. So I, I guess to answer your question in, in a sum, I would love to just have a group of people that I can rely on and they can rely on me to help get people better, whether that be medical doctors, people in hospitals, um, naturopaths, nurses, uh, counselors, what, whatever that may be. Um, in general, that's just what I'm looking for. And that's, that's my general intention is that it makes me feel good when I can lie in bed at the end of the day and say, you know what, I helped to give someone some information that no one else might have been able to give them. So do you ever imagine potentially um, becoming a counselor or a therapist? I thought of it. You had mentioned, yeah. you, had mentioned um, you know, either becoming a medical doctor or a naturopath and not feeling like that was a path that's for you. But I was just curious if you've thought about becoming a counselor and if not, um, how, how do you see your role different from that of a counselor? Sure. Um, so... I've definitely thought about becoming a counselor. The way that I view it though, is to me, that's extremely um, emotionally draining to sit and really talk with someone and understand what they're going through and providing empathy. Um, with what I currently do of providing an objective role um, based off of physical, emotional, and spiritual roots that I see, I'm able to provide a lot more information to people um, and just to a lot more people in general. Uh, kind of going back to that medical doctor thing of I would only be able to handle with a, in a counselor's role maybe six people a day because of how emotionally taxing that would be. And I, I'm also the kind of person that <laughs> I've noticed that I'm a worrier. So if I ended up being a counselor and someone saying, oh, I'm going through this really rough time, my mom just died or something like that, I would probably be bringing that into my personal life. And that's also something that I don't want to do. Um, I will kind of take on that role with uh, family members and friends, though, and sit down when they when they really need it and go through and talk to them about what's what's bothering them, what's going on, why they why they think they have pain. But in terms of working with providers, I normally just provide that information, and then the providers go from there, just so that I'm the least involved possible, just so I can get to as many people as possible. That makes sense. So you're really dealing with data or information about patients, but not necessarily spending the time one-on-one -on -one with them all the time uh, in the way that you would be if you were a counselor. That yeah. makes sense. So can you talk about a time when you felt like your intuition failed you? That, would, ooh, that is a great question. So um, I have a perfect example of that, that I still hold on to, and I'm, I'm actually still working through as well. So before I started um, becoming open to this, I remember getting a text from my mom on Thursday morning that my dad was having chest pain and that he went to the hospital. And I kind of called her and I looked at like, I looked at the phone funny. I know she couldn't see me, but I was like, dad doesn't have heart problems. What are you talking about? He's, he goes to the doctor once a year and gets his physicals. Like he has high cholesterol. I get that. I'm coming from a very 
student logical brain of, I, I don't <laughs> understand what you're telling me right now. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and then she ended up calling me and it was like, yeah, your dad had a heart attack. Um, he's going to need surgery here. So if you want to come to the hospital, come to the hospital kind of thing, do what you need to do. And I took that super personally because I was like, how can I pay attention to these other things and not even see it in my own family? Um, I, to me, it was kind of like, how, <laughs> I, and I still struggle with this. How could I have missed that? How, and the beating yourself up and stuff like that. That was the number one responsibility that I had besides taking care of myself was looking out for my fam family and friends. And I failed to do that. Um, so I think that experience has really helped me be more perceptive of just going in and asking about family members and friends. Um, even if I don't talk to them, just uh, spiritually checking in, being like, okay, um, how are they feeling today? Do they need any help? Would they like me to speak up about anything? Normally I get, they're fine, don't need to check in, just continue let, letting them do what they want to do. Um, recently though, I, I think it was like two months ago, I ended up having a dream where my dad was on the roof and he had a heart attack and he fell off the roof and died. And I, I was freaked out. I was like, no, no, not doing this um, kind of thing. So in a panic, wow. I woke my mom up in the middle of the night and I was like, is dad okay? And she's like, yeah, he's fine. He's sleeping right here. And I'm like, are you, are you sure? I just had this dream that he was hanging up Christmas lights and fell off the roof and died from a heart attack. And she's like, no, he's fine. And I said, okay, are the Christmas lights up? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, don't like, mm, please don't put them up. Um, so I ended up coming home from Christmas and the lights were up and I was kind of like, oh, that stinker, but I'm glad he didn't have a heart attack. So I'm like, okay, by expressing that, did that, did that help things? Did that not help things? Was that my imagination? Um, those are, those are things that I still end up questioning was, did I prevent something from happening by speaking up? Should I have spoke up about that? Um, was that in his plan to end up doing that and having that fate? I'm not sure. So sometimes I also get stuck in human Rachel where I'm like, but that's my dad. Like I can't, <laughs> that can't happen. That's not okay. <laughs> what do your parents think about your work as a medical intuitive? Um, this is very interesting. So my dad listens to Coast to Coast AM, which is a very like metaphysical show, um, paranormal show, that kind of thing. And he's very, this is from my understanding and my interpretation, he's very confused um, and doesn't quite understand it. But I, I think he's starting to come around to, okay, that's Rachel's jam. Like, as long as you take care of you kind of thing, all right, you, you do that. Um, <laughs> We, we do not talk about it at all unless I'm like, oh, I did this today at work. Like if he asked me how work went, otherwise we don't talk about it. With my mom, my mom is a lot more open. Um, when my grandpa passed away, um, and I think he passed away in 2010, 2014, when I started becoming more open to spiritual experiences, I remember coming to my parents' house and he was sitting on the doorstep. And I said, hey, mom, did you know grandpa was sitting out on the doorstep? And she's like, no, why would you say that? I'm like, because he is. And then I described the scene behind him, which looks maybe like 40 or 50 years ago in the past. And I said, your, your brother's sitting there too. Her brother's still alive. But I was like, your brother's um, in this picture as well. And he has a red like, pickup truck. 
And my mom's face kind of got like pale and she looked at me and she's like, we don't have any pictures of that pickup truck. He's never talked about that pickup truck around you. I have no idea how you knew about that. So I think that was kind of the beginning of winning my mom over. Um, and then over time, um, again, over Christmas break, when I went home, um, I was telling my mom, hey, grandpa really wants you to go through um, the stuff that you're supposed to go through seven years after someone dies. I don't know if it's your will or whatever kind of paperwork that was. He was like, Joanne, it's really important. Like, you need to go through that. So I kept, like, getting on my mom's case. Like, mom, grandpa really, really, really wants you to do this. So she ended up finally getting around to it. And she's like, I don't know where the key is to open this box. And she's like, if you could ask grandpa where it's at, that'd be great. And I said, I, that's not really my main mojo, mom, but I'll try. So I ended up going in and asking grandpa and having a conversation with him. And he said, the key's in her closet. And my my mother's closet is not the most organized. I'm sure she doesn't want me putting that on blast. That's my most organized. And I was like, I'm pretty, he says the key's in the closet. I don't know where it is. I got to go. I got to do stuff with friends and family. Like, see you later kind of thing. So she ends up sending me a picture message an hour later and this little itty bitty key is hanging up on one part of her closet. And she took that key off and put it in that box and it opened. And she's like, don't know why it was in there, but thank you, much appreciated. That saved me a lot of time. So those experiences have opened my mom up uh, to different things um, that I can see, sense and feel. And then she became more open with the physical component of it, this summer she ended up carrying a few glass bottles and she ended up dropping them and she dropped one on her foot and she had a giant cut in her foot. And I said, I looked at it and I said, mom, I think your foot is fine. I don't think you need stitches, but I think there's a chunk of glass stuck in there. So she ended up going to the urgent care. Urgent care is like, we don't really know what's wrong. Took her to the ER. She went to the ER. They basically washed her foot out and put one stitch in it. And then she's like, when they washed my foot out, I felt this huge chunk of glass come out. And I kind of looked at her and I was oh. like, mom, I could have just saved you thousands of dollars. <laughs> like, why didn't you listen to me? <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so those are experiences. I think that she gets stuck in her head of, okay, like I, I remember this happening. This is one little thing of proof. And I, I totally get that. I'm the same way from a logical human being perspective. Like, show me this is okay. Or show me this is real. Or show me how this works. Um, that, that kind of deal. So uh, my parents are, sl- both of them are slowly coming around to it. I would say my mother's significantly more open than my dad, just because I'm able to connect with her family members as well. So if you could tell people one thing that you wish they knew about your work as a medical intuitive, what would it be? Your family members are the ones that want to be involved or that passed away are always trying to help you. Always. Um, they are always trying to whisper in your ear or show you signs and symbols. And sometimes they just get super frustrated and they're like, I am here to help when you want help. And a lot of people, um, from my experience, sit in prayer or sit on the couch and they're like, no one loves me. And then you have your loved one just sitting over you and yelling like, I'm right here. I'm trying my best to help you. Um, to just sit and listen with yourself um, and really get to get to the root of what's going on. Something that I do personally that I've just recently started is just sitting in absolute silence, no TV, no external stimuli, nothing for just 10 minutes with a journal, whatever thoughts pop in my head, write them down, 
and then go, oh my God, no wonder I've been tired all day. I've been dealing with 20 things. Let's go through and work them all out. Um, sometimes that guidance, those thoughts can be loved ones or they can be your own things. Like just, just pay attention to what's going on. We all get so caught up in our nine to five schedules of everything has to be planned every 15 minutes. Just sometimes just sit for a second and see what you pick up. I ended up having this conversation with someone the other day about how we think and we get information. Um, so personally to me, I go in and talk to myself. Um, so I would say, hey, Rachel, and if I just sit still and listen, I'll hear like a yeah or a what back. And then I'll sit and have that conversation. Someone else that I was talking with says they don't really hear auditory voices. They hear or they see things. They have this chalkboard in the back of their mind. So when they ask the question like, hey, can you hear me on their chalkboard and internally in the back of their mind, they see someone writing the word yes. So whatever that is for you, go in and figure it out. Use different resources. Just know how to talk to yourself. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show, Rachel. This was fantastic. Um, and can you say the name of your website so that listeners can visit you there? Sure. Online? My website is www.myraeofhope.com. And if you would like to work with me, click on the Need a Provider tab, and we are able to work with you anywhere throughout the United States. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to MDASH, the healthcare podcast that gives you pause. For show notes for today's episode, visit our website at www.em-podcast.com.